And it was it was in the time it was kind of in the early '90s, and in the inner city, uh, Malcolm X was very popular. And so I had a great big T-shirt, and uh, on the front of my T-shirt it said Saturday Safari. Puts at the time had kind of like this little safari theme. It was in black and gold letters, and on the back I had this giant X, and it said X Center Serving Jesus 24/7. And I walked around the neighborhoods with that, and uh, went to their house many, many times. And I knew why Melvin and Antoinette came to church. I knew why every time the doors were open. I knew why they never wanted to go home. I always went to hang with our workers or one of us. When I went to their house, they they lived in a home that had a lot of drug dealers in it. And their mother was a, a crack addict, and a number of times I would walk by their home, and she'd be laying out in the front yard, and there was a broken woman. One Sunday, the first Easter Sunday in this community, I think someone's talking over me this morning. There we go. The first uh, Easter Sunday morning, I was on my way to church. I saw Melvin and Antoinette. Uh, they were walking hand in hand. They were walking to church. Melvin had a suit on. Little time. And Antoinette had a, a little tiny a little dress, a little white dress that one of the workers had bought for her. And they were so proud. And they were walking to church. And at that moment, I knew my life's mission. I knew my life's mission. And that was to bring God's love to the city. I knew my mission. I knew for the rest of my life. I knew for the rest of my life what my calling on this planet was. I knew what it was. I knew it was no matter what people looked like, and no matter what color of skin they had, I knew what their socioeconomic background was, I knew what place, station, and life, where they were at, how sinful they were. I knew that God had a message for me, for me to share with other people. That His power, His power is bigger than any problem, and His grace is greater than any sin. I just knew that. I knew that, and for the, I, and for the last, since that was probably in 1991, and so for the last 22 years of my life, I've dedicated myself to bringing that message to people everywhere I go. And that's why you're here today. That's why City Church is here today. Preparing our hearts for Easter. That's what I want to talk to you about today. This is Palm Sunday. This is, this is in our community also a week or a month that's been a life-changing month. Life-changing month. The, the events that have transpired in this city over the last month have rocked this community. Things that have been exposed, things that have come out, challenges among people, problems and issues that maybe for many years have been swept under the rug have now come to light and there's great conflict in our community. I want to just share just for a moment, I want to share what God led us to do as a church family last Sunday. You're going to see what by the grace of God literally has always been our message and how God used us last week as a church family to bring this message to this city. But I also want to challenge us today as a church family. Because the, the challenge in the Christian community in America is that we were founded on a great freedom. A great freedom to be able to say anything that we want to say. To be able to literally, you can say anything you want to say in this country because you have a First Amendment. It's called the freedom of speech and the freedom of press. You're protected under constitutional rights. And because of that freedom, because we were born or raised or we understand that concept, we say lots of things. And I've, I, I really feel right now, I want you to hear what took place last Sunday, just for a couple of moments. Last Sunday, I, I really challenged us as the church family to join with other churches in this community to go down to City Hall and to pray. And about 100 people showed up. It was an awesome thing. It was just an incredible experience. And when we got down there, 
The only other church that was down there was Pastor Cubit Malone of uh, uh, Greater Providence Worship Center. It's the oldest African-American church in this community. And Pastor Cubit and I have been friends for five years, and I had no idea that he was the sponsor of this event. We went down there, and immediately I saw Pastor Cubit, and, and we hugged next, and, and he began to share with me what he felt was the challenge in our community. He said, Pastor, this isn't a political problem. This is a sin problem, and we need to pray tonight. And as he challenged my heart, we, we stood together hand in hand. We stood together hand in hand, and we declared God's message over this city. I want you to hear just real quick what got literally went around the world. This, this is something you could never plan on your own, but this is something that made it to the Washington Post this week. You're going to some, see some people in our church. CNN, CNN was there. AP News was there. CBS News was there. We were interviewed. I mean, our, our church people, our church family was interviewed uh, on Tuesday morning on CNN, on the front page of CNN, and their, on their website. There was a picture of Jerron, one of our young men, literally on his face praying for God. Bill Knox and a group of other people were holding hands, and it was at first they titled it "Protesters Praying Protesters Praying for Sanford." Prote- okay, I'll take protesters. We're protesting the devil, amen. We're protesting the devil, amen. Come on. I want you to see what God did, and I wanted to share with you real quick before we get into our Palm Sunday and prepare our hearts for this coming Easter. Why don't you watch this now? has created us to be people of blessing and of praise. So we stand tonight and we declare, we declare that this shall be a city of blessing and a city of peace. In this troubling times, this is a point where um, the only thing that's going to change what's the behavior and what's going on is prayer. I believe that there may have to be some kind of change, but I mean, honestly, that's why we're just here. We're, we're here to kind of pray that that the right thing would take place, that the right change is, would, would take place. Let us not forget that there was a 17-year-old young man that was killed senselessly. There was a young man that has brought us together tonight that had no idea that his life would cause this kind of reaction across America. This is old South part of it. Man, I mean, the people that live in this community, the old timers tell me, you know, even to the 60s and 70s, there was a segregated community. And I think there have been many injustices that have taken place in the past. And the perception is that if it's a black on black crime, maybe it gets dealt with, maybe not. If it's a black on white crime, the black person's going to go to jail. If it's a white on black crime, it, you know, probably not. And that's the perception. God has created us to be people of blessing and of praise. So we stand tonight and we declare, we declare that this shall be a city of blessing and a city of peace. In this troubling times, this is a point where... Uh... We declared over this city, it should, well, let's give God a great big hand. We declare, we declared, and we stood that night and we prayed for four things. We prayed for the, the, Trevon, the Trevon Martin family, for his mother, for his father. I saw his mother on Monday night, and I saw the anguish of a mother who lost a 17-year-old boy. I have a 16-year-old and a 21-year-old, and I can't even imagine. can't even imagine. And we prayed. We prayed for that family. We prayed that God's grace would invade them. We prayed that God's love would carry them through this very challenging time. This young boy who's caused things to explode in our nation that most of us didn't even realize were there. The second thing we prayed for was justice. Justice means that the right thing is done by the law. 
and we prayed for justice in our city. He's a God of justice. 134 times in the Bible, God commands His people, and He speaks to them of acting and doing and judging justly. And so we prayed for justice. We prayed for justice. We prayed for justice for, for the Martin family. We prayed for justice for the Zimmerman family. We prayed that, pray that the law would be properly applied. We pray that God's kingdom would come. It was just a powerful moment as we joined together. And then we prayed for unity. We prayed for unity in our churches. We prayed that our churches would come together in a way that, that has never happened in our community. That our churches, regardless, because in our culture today, one of the most segregated hours in America is the church hour. At City Church, God has blessed us because we're a family that's multi-generational, multicultural. We're a family that, that has people from every background, from every culture, from every race of life. We've opened our doors and we say, bring God's love to this city. We've opened our doors and say, everyone is welcome. We love people in this community. We love this city. We had shirts, and maybe Vanessa, you can stand up and be my model this morning. Janet was the model last week. But we had shirts made at the beginning of this year. It's our vision for 2012. And it said, I love my city. I love my city. And one of the news stations was out there on Sunday night, and they were just they were convinced that we had made those shirts for last Sunday night. And Brother Bruce was in the back. Bruce Scott was back there telling the news, no, 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 that's the mission of our church. The mission of our church is to bring God's love. We had no idea at the beginning of the year. We had no idea what, what kinds of events would transpire. Because see, Jesus said this, you will know that they are my disciples by their love. They, you will know that they are my disciples by their love. Peter said this, Peter said this, he said, love as brothers. Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Love one another. You see, the fact is today, we're not going to sort this out of the pew. But we can pray. We can pray for unity to come to our community. So I believe today what God wants to do in this community is for churches to unite together. You see, the epicenter of, epicenter of Sanford doesn't have to be something that brings or pulls the nation apart. If the churches can unite together and begin to pray for the peace of God in our city, this thing, what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn for good, and we can be an epicenter for the greatest revival America has ever known. One of my pastor's friends said, hey, don't talk about today. And I said, you know what? It's just too big of an issue. I mean, I go on the blogs, and I read the news reports, and... And it's amazing what people will say when they have anonymity. It's amazing what people say, what's really inside of people's hearts. I want you to know today, the older I get, it's not how much I know, it's how much I love. Jesus said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And I want to love people. I want to love people. I want to love people. I want this church to be a church of love. I want to say when we look at people, we're not looking at people by the color of their skin or how they voted in a polling booth. We're looking at people the way that Jesus looks at them. People that He died for. People that He gave His life for. Jesus didn't die for a political party. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. And He loves this city. And I love this city. And I have a new love and appreciation for where God has placed us. And this morning in preparation for Easter. Preparation for Easter. I want to talk about Palm Sunday. I want to talk about what God is going to do in our church, in our city. What He wants to do. And the model that God laid out for us is Jesus rode into Jerusalem 
on that, on that day, beginning Holy Week some 2,000 years ago. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, can you turn to John chapter 12? John chapter 12. We'll begin, we're going to begin with verse number 12. And if you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. John chapter 12, beginning with verse number 12. And I'm going to read out of the New International Version today. And the Bible says, the next day, the great crowd. Everyone say, great crowd. The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet Him, shouting, Hosanna! Everyone say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Now, the events surrounding this were pretty incredible. This is the final week of Jesus' life. And His fame has gone before Him. As a matter of fact, just a few days before this, Jesus raised a man from the dead by the name of Lazarus. Listen to me. Jesus raised a man from the dead. No one had ever raised a man from the dead before. They had, the Jewish people had never known anyone to raise a man from the dead. Now we know, if we read the Old Testament stories, Elijah had raised someone from the dead. But they had never experienced this. Jesus came in great power and He raised this man from the dead. And this caused such a stir. And at this time, at this time in Jewish history, the Passover feast was a great time of remembrance and celebration. Because 1,500 years before, the Jewish people were, were led out of captivity by their, by their great leader, their great prophet, Moses. And they were remembering that time when the death angel came and passed over because he saw the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost of the home, bringing divine protection. You see, God's protection, God's way of peace has always been through blood. It was the shedding of blood of one innocent man. One innocent man that caused the greatest revolution the world has ever known. It was the, blood, the shedding of the blood of Jesus. And the crowds had gathered together. And look what the Bible says. There was a great crowd. They, they had a great festival. There was a great party going on. And they took palm branches. The palm branches representing the victory of a king. They said, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and this time in Roman history, the Romans were a powerful army. They were the most powerful army. They were the, the world-dominating country. And, and what would happen in their culture is they would have one of the generals that would go out and maybe kill 5,000 people. He'd kill 5,000 people, and if he could kill 5,000 people, he would come, out, come back as a great victor. And they'd put him on a white stallion, and they'd put him on a great big chariot surrounded by a bunch of his men, and they would ride through town. And they would throw out palm branches celebrating the greatness of this general. And this is the imagery, this is the background of the day that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. A familiar path that Jesus was taking. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In verse number 14, Jesus found a young donkey and said on it, As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, the disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about Him. That these things had been done to Him. Now the crowd that was with Him when He called Lazarus from the tomb and raised Him from the dead, continued to spread the Word. Everyone say, continue to spread the Word. Jesus. They continued to spread the Word. 
Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among them who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Today we're going to pray for one of our brothers. Valerie Mundo's husband, Rob, is getting a, a kidney transplant right now, even as I speak. Right now, even as I speak, he's been on the waiting list for many years. He's been on literally at death's door a number of times over the last couple of years. And, and right at this moment, she just texted me and she said, will you play, pray for Rob? Can we do that this morning? Can we pray that resurrection live before we start this message today that will come into that family? Father, we thank you today. Lord, even as another man gave his life so that Rob could have a kidney. Father, we know today that this is a symbol of what you did for us. And I pray for Rob right now. I pray for the surgeons. I thank you for the doctors that are at work. I pray for this kidney transplant to be successful. I thank you, God, there's going to be a great testimony in that family. I pray for the peace of God over the Mundo family, over Valerie and all the children today. And God, we bless them. We speak life over them. And Father, we thank you that in preparation for the coming Easter service, in preparation for our Good Friday service, in preparation for the many souls that are going to come into the kingdom of God. Father, I pray today that our hearts would be united as one church, with one voice, with one people. God, that we would be a people today that would open our hearts to hear from you. We ask this now in your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The Passover feast was about to begin. Two and, a half, two and a half million Jews had entered into Jerusalem, into the, the, the city realm, or the, the realm of the city of Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands of animals were about to be slaughtered. They would take these lambs, possibly 200,000, 250,000 lambs, because the Jews had come from all over the known world, and they would go into the temple, and they would slaughter the lamb as their sacrifice, as was commanded by God through the prophet Moses. Can you imagine that scene? The sound, the sights, the, the dustiness of the roads, the sound of the animals coming into the city, the kind of the festival attitude that was taking place. It was Anytime you get a lot of people together, no matter what the cause, no matter what's happening, there's always some sense of festivity around it. They were going to commemorate the Passover, and as they were going into Jerusalem, Jesus was on His way. Jesus was on His way to the city. And as He comes into the city, there's a group of people that are waiting to meet Him. You see, as I begin to think about this Sunday, I begin to think as we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday, I want you to see something that, that the Bible says takes place right there in verse number 12. The Bible says the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was there. They heard that Jesus was there. And they took palm branches and they went out to meet Him, shouting. They went out to meet Jesus. They were offering up their worship. Now the problem that they had is that they were looking for a natural king. They weren't looking for a spiritual deliverance. They were looking for a natural deliverance from the tyranny of Rome. And the nature of man, the nature of man is that we look for someone else to be our Savior. Every four years, we have a political cycle for president. 
And things are going to get really vitriolic over the next couple of months. I mean, you're going to hear people say slanderous, terrible things about one another. I mean, violating exactly what Peter tells us to do, to not speak evil against one another. You're going to hear all kinds of evil reports. And over the next couple of months, you're going to hear politicians stand up and tell us how they're going to be able to turn this around. How they're going to bring prosperity. And if we know anything about the past, what we know is that the future isn't going to look much different than our past. There's going to be lots of broken promises. Lots of broken promises. And if we're looking to a Savior, or we're looking for someone other than Jesus to be the Savior of our lives, we're missing it. Now they had identified this man as being powerful. They identified this man as something, having some kind of power. Uh, Friday night there was a wedding for Eric and Alex. She's now Watson now. And a young couple in our church who met in this church, she got saved. Awesome. I mean, just powerfully saved about a year and a half ago. And uh, Eric was one of the young men that really spurred the revival in our youth, min- youth ministry about four years ago. And they came together. And it was just a joyous time. I mean, I haven't seen a couple that much in love. They were like, they could hardly get that word. They were just laughing. And they were just in love. And it was just a beautiful time. And, and uh, we were sitting at the table afterwards having dinner with their bosses, the couple that they work with. And the couple's not a Christian. And uh, we were talking with them, and it was just so cool to hear them talk about Eric and Alex and how they serve in their job. And, and he, she said, we had just fired eight people for stealing from our company. We had just fired eight people for stealing, for ripping us off, for kind of having that attitude, you know, that we deserved or owed them something. And he said, she said, this guy walks in with a beanie on his head. And she's like, oh, really? And she hired him on a risk. And she said it was the best decision we ever made. He said, this guy, and then his girlfriend came, and she started working at our company for free. She was cleaning floors. She just served. We had to hire her because she was such an incredible worker. And they were just going on and on. And and the guy goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, there's some kind of magic with that couple. And then the guy says, he goes, yeah, there's something, something channeling from up there, you know. I said, oh. I I told Glenn, I was like, yes, that is so awesome. That is so awesome. Come on, amen. Jesus had entered into the life. Jesus had come into the city. Jesus had come into the city. And people recognized that there was something different about this man. There was something different about his life. You see, when they came that day and they gathered together, they came to be worshipers of of Jehovah. They came to be worshipers of God. They just hadn't recognized Him yet as Jesus. But they did gather for the purpose of worship. I mean, there were the religious people there. You can read a couple of verses before. There were very religious people that didn't like what Jesus was doing. They didn't like the message of peace that He spoke. They didn't like it that He stood up and said, Blessed are the peacemakers. They didn't like it when he went and talked to a Gentile woman who sat by a well who had been married five times and was living with the man. And she was considered an outcast among the Jewish people because of her sin and her ethnicity of race. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that fact. And Jesus crossed all of those lines. He broke all of those barriers. He broke all those barriers. And he said this in Luke 17.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Yes, there was a religious there, but there were also the crowds. 
The crowds who would declare, Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And then there were the worshipers. There were the worshipers. Jesus came to bring deliverance. It was a cry for help. Help, save me. Help, save me is actually what they were saying. There's a cry going up from the earth today. And people are crying out for a deliverer. People are crying out for a Savior. But many times they're just looking to the wrong places. The crowds exist in our community. The crowds are going to be at our Easter service next week. The crowds will be there. There will be multitudes of people and they'll come because of the festivities. They'll come because of the festival. They'll come because we're giving kids Easter baskets and having a great big Easter egg hunt with 5,000 or 10,000 Easter eggs and giving away some kind of GameCube thing or whatever they're giving away. They're going to come for the festivities. They're going to come for all kinds of reasons. But when they come, they're going to hear this message that Jesus is the Deliverer. That love wins. Come on, love wins. God covers a multitude of sins. So what should our response be? Next week, we gather together to worship Him. We gather together on an Easter Sunday to worship Him. You can make a choice today. You can be an onlooker, or you can be a worshiper. There's a lot of people that are looking at the church right now. A lot of people looking in this community, at the church. What is our response? How are we going to respond? The second thing that we see in our story this morning is that the purpose and the plans of God were completely fulfilled. The purpose and plans of God were completely fulfilled. John chapter 12, the Bible says, Then Jesus, when He had found a young colt, Matthew's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, John's Gospel, all tell the same story. But they tell the story about a donkey and a colt. But Jesus went and He found the donkey of the colt exactly where He told the disciples it would be. And then the words of the prophet Zechariah were declared, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Sitting on a donkey's colt. Not even on a donkey. He was sitting on the colt of a donkey. The colt of a donkey that had never been ridden. I mean, everything that happened in Jesus' life was prophetically spoken of. Everything that took place. From the moment, from the very first words of God in the book of Genesis, where God told Satan, He said, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And then God spoke prophetically through Joseph almost 4,000 years ago, 3,700 years ago. And He said this, He said, the sepulcher shall come out of Judah. The sepulcher, the, the Savior, the Deliverer will come out of the line of the tribe of Judah. I mean, thousands of years ago, God spoke through Holy Mount concerning this person, Jesus. Over 300 times in the Old Testament are we told about this coming Messiah. The great anticipation of these people was that the Messiah would come. And there was a buzz. There was a stir. There was a stir because they had seen these events. They hadn't necessarily connected the dots. You see, today, there are many people, they've heard about Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. They've even seen the lives transformed like the young couple, Erica and Alex, who got married this last week. They've seen it. They just haven't connected the dots yet. They haven't connected. And the Bible begins to declare all the things that Jesus was going to do. 
The place of his birth would be in Bethlehem. The coming out of Egypt, his life spent in Galilee, he was born of a virgin. All these things were prophesied of prophets of old. His entrance on a donkey, his suffering on the cross. The psalmist said this, that his suffering would be great. That his suffering would be great. Isaiah said that he would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be bruised for our iniquities. And by his stripes we'd be healed. 900 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet who would stand and declare that there was a coming Messiah who would take upon him the sins of the world. And he would say, though your sins be as scarlet, his blood shall wash and make them white as snow. Though your sins be as, 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 as scarlet, as crimson scarlet, he will come and make them as white as snow. You see, the, the promises of God, the promises of God over and over and over. You see, the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. And Paul the Apostle, when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said this about God, about God's plan for you. He said, well, what's the big deal to me? What is, okay, cool, that's, that, that's God's word for Jesus, but what does that mean to you, to me today? Paul the Apostle said this, In Him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. Did you hear that today? Did you hear that everything has been planned by God and He works out everything for the conformity of His will? See, even the prophet Jeremiah, when he was looking forward into the future concerning the people of Israel, he said, this is what God says. This is what God says about you today. For I know the plans that I have for you. Yeah, I know that you've been taken into captivity. I know that there's great tension and racial conflict in the city of Sanford. I know that there's a lot of pain spreading across our nation. But I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Not to harm you, but to cause you to prosper. Come on! See, God says exactly the opposite of what the enemy says. God came to bless, not to curse. God came to bless, not to curse. I challenge us as a congregation today, let this work. You are here for such a time as this. Come on, go to our town. Uh, uh, go to the businesses in our community. Come on, l- let's, let's be people of blessing. Let's not join in in the courses of curses that are being spoken over the city. But let's be people of great blessing. Come on, because if this city prospers, you too shall prosper. If this city prospers, you too shall prosper. Amen. See, what is God asking us to do? To trust in His Word for our life. The power of the testimony. Look at verses number 16 and 17. At first His disciples did not understand this. But the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the dead and had raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. What has Jesus done in your life? What has Jesus done in you? This is a great opportunity. We've made it so simple. We've given you touch cards. We've given you invite cards. We've got 15,000 mailers that went out this last week. We're, we've got thousands of postcards and door hangers. And God, we made it simple for you to t- let someone else know what Jesus has done for you. Next Sunday morning, our message is love wins. Love wins. Love wins. That's just a fact. God is bigger than your problems and His grace is greater than your sins. He loves you today. He loves you. The power 
of your testimony today. There were some Greeks that came and said, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. That's what the city wants to see in this, in this church. They want to see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. Our mayor, his name is Jeff Triplett, and I befriended him over the last year. And, and he's been at the focal point. I watched the other night at a city council meeting as he took ter- tremendous pressure and heat for three straight hours not being able to answer a word, but listening to the pain and the frustration of many people in this community. And he was broken. I mean, he's a part-time mayor. He, only, and he ain't a full-time mayor. He's just a part-time mayor. They have a city manager that actually runs the city. This is what he texted me last night. This is what he texted me last night. So, Pastor Eugene, please pray for our city. When I was with him last Sunday, he was being interviewed by CBS Evening News. And they asked him about his religiosity, and he said, well, I'm not a very, I've never really been much of a spiritual man. That's exactly what he said. Never been much of a spiritual man, but he's getting real spiritual right now. There's something about hot water that helps you stay clean. Come on, there's something about hot water that causes you to turn to God. This is what he he texted me last night. He said, Pastor Eugene, please pray for our city and our sense of community and our pastors that they will make us whole Come on, come on, come on, let's give God. That's the mayor of our city. That's the mayor. He don't believe much in prayer, but he says that the pastors can get together and start to pray. Maybe they can make our city whole. Now, we know we can't make our city whole, but we know that we are representatives of Jesus. And next Sunday, we're going to gather together. We're going to gather together, and you're going to invite someone, and you're going to bring your amigos. Everyone say, amigos. You're going to bring your amigos. You're going to bring your baskets. And you're going to bring your buckets and your candy. You're going to bring them this week. Because we don't have enough yet. We need a lot more. And so you can bring them this week. But we're also going to bring our cash for Cuba. We're going to bring our cash for Cuba. I want to tell you right now that you're going to meet a man. His name is Joe Cruz. I met Joe about two months ago. And I got to hear his story. I spent yesterday with him again. And Joe is a man of God. Joe has built churches around the world. And he's going to lead us on this expedition. And we are partnering with two other churches. We're part- partnering with Faith Assembly. And we're partnering with Glad Tidings and Ocoee. And our three churches are coming together to build the Church of Confidence in Cuba. And missionary Joe Cruz is going to be leading us on that expedition. And I'm going to ask Joe to come at this time. If you can grab that mic. Let's give Joe Cruz a great big hand as he comes this morning. God bless you, Joe. Let me get myself lined up. Okay, okay. Hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. I had a great time with you yesterday. I got to hear your heart. And uh, we were with you with with, uh, some of the families in our church a couple of of months ago. My wife and I were so moved by your story. Why don't you just share just a couple of minutes? I know we're going to show some slides here of the project in Cuba. Why don't you just share kind of even what you share with me just for a few minutes here, how God called you to do this work. I was just thinking about the day that we're worshiping, what a glorious day this is. I was overcome by the worship and by the praise and by the singing that this is a day of victory, but it was an awesome day of suffering for my, our king. Amen. It was the most suffering week he had in his entire life, yet he calls it triumphant. Pastors mentioned you're going through a lot. All of us are. But it can be triumphant. Amen. I remember the church prayed for 70 years. 
for the Russian wall to fall. President Ronald Reagan, June 12, 1987, was standing at the Brandenburg Gate in West Germany. And he says, Mr. Gorbachev, if you will come, if you want peace for your people, if you want prosperity for Russia, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The wall came down. Little did we know what it was going to do to the world. Countries in Africa opened up. Countries in South America. Countries in Central America. And Cuba. 1987, after the church had been praying, God sent a sovereign revival to Cuba. And when the revival came to Cuba, the door was open. The Russians moved out a couple of years later. And God miraculously, through the president of the country, Fidel Castro, are we off the air? Uh, you guys need to turn the audio off right now. We're not allowed to take Turn this. the internet off, please. Turn the video off. He miraculously changed the Constitution from an atheistic constitution to a secular constitution and placed in that constitution a five-line paragraph that had not been there for many, many years. And that was freedom of religion. Never been there. Never been there. And when the freedom of religion came, the Religious Affairs Bureau then shut the churches down, and then all things began to happen. The pastors, our brother, Brother Hector Hunter, went to the Religious Affairs Bureau and says, what does this five-line paragraph mean? They says it means, phys it means physical freedom, freedom of religion. Then pastors said to the Religious Affairs Bureau,